0: So this is 23rd of October, 2019, VIHE in Vrindavan, and we're going to be looking at chapter 17, verses 1 through 15. So this is a a very important section of verses, and I'm actually quite sad that we only have an hour and a half to go through these verses because they deal with with etiquette and they also deal with what are our motives when we criticize others. And I think most people have a tendency to criticize others. Is that correct? Rupa Goswami gives that as the symptom of the Uttama Adhikari, that such a person has no tendency to criticize others. So Chichuketu is criticizing Lord and Parvati is criticizing Chichuketu here. Um, and what's going on here is, is, is very significant for us today. I mean, that's true of every verse in the Bhagavatam. But I think this section is, is especially important because there, there's only two ways that we can be... Uh, Stopped in our bhakti, and that is if we're not actually doing bhakti, if we're mixing something with our bhakti, that can slow down the process, or if we're doing something that's not bhakti at all and and thinking it's bhakti, or if we're committing offenses.
1: How to find out that?
0: How to find out that? Well, we're going to look today at the latter, not the former. We're going to look at the offenses. We're not going to look at mixed bhakti or pretend bhakti. I look at mixed bhakti in my seminar in Bhagavad Gita Chapter 12. So this, But those are the two. The Prophet says if you're eating, you must get nourished. And if you're not getting nourished, you're not eating. You're not actually eating. Just like people chew gum, so they look like they're eating, but they're not eating. Or people today, they eat food that has no calories. Right? Zero calorie food. That means it's not food. Could you imagine zero-octane petrol? You know? So zero-calorie food. So people may be eating something that's not food, or they have problems, so they have some parasite. So if we're not progressing in bhakti, either we're not doing bhakti, we're doing something else and calling it bhakti. Uh, or we have over-committing some offences. And this particular section deals with situations where we've convinced ourselves that our motives are good. Now, no one here actually is committing any offence. Chichar is not an offender. But still, he's not quite in line either. So, he's, he's, he's not committing Vaishkanaparaj, It's not that serious. But he, there's something wrong. There's something he's doing here that's wrong. And one could even argue that there's something that Parvati's doing that's also wrong, but we won't discuss that today. So the main things we're going to look at here is Chichu Ketu's criticism of Shiva and then Parvati's cursing of Chichu But the little background information here uh, up through verse 5. So the first five verses of this chapter give us a little background information. So apparently Chichuketu is no longer a king on earth. And I don't know what happened. What all of his wives did. I know some of them, the ones who poisoned the child, they gave up wanting children and they went to the Yamuna to do austerities. But I don't know how many women tried to poison the child. I'm sure it wasn't all of them. And I don't know what happened to Krita Duti. So I don't know, we don't know. That's just not, that information is not there. So what happened to Chitra Ketu's kingdom? He had no son to take it over. Who ran the kingdom? We don't know. We don't know what happened to Krita Duti. We don't know what happened to the wives who didn't poison the child. That's, we just don't know. But apparently Chitra Ketu has nothing to do with that anymore. He's finished with that. He's finished with his earthly uh, life. And he's now basically become like a demigod. And as you said, now he's got a bunch of new women, which is interesting. Yeah, I answer the question? Well, it may be answered, so why don't you wait and see. If it's not answered, then we'll get there. Because this is just introductory, and I don't want to take a lot of time it. So he's with a bunch of new women. Uh, but now he has a Harinam party, and he has a traveling, he has a traveling lady Sankirtan party. So we had these in the beginning of ISKCON, early days of ISKCON. We had uh, traveling women Sankirtan parties, and sometimes it was all women, and sometimes it was headed by a man. Uh, usually when it was headed by a man, the man ended up having uh, sexual relations with at least some of the women. That was generally what happened. Uh, that was the, the usual thing that happened. Uh, they would complain to Prabhupada about it. And, uh, anyway, probably would have some interesting responses to that. But, uh, this seems to be what Chichiketu is doing. It, was it says he's enjoying with the women. So usually, when those words are used uh, like that, it's it's implying that there's some sort of a romantic relationship. And we have um, enjoyed life, what is the... Reme, the word is g- Generally, it, it implies some physicality. But, of course, he's he's with them to do sankirtan. So, before he was with his queens to run a kingdom, which was also certainly service to run a kingdom, and they were all devotees of the Lord. It wasn't that they were demons or just materials. Uh, But now they're enjoying glorifying the Lord together. So, this is a very demigod thing to do, to have a sankirtan party. As we know, Narumuni was thrown out of the heavenly planets because he was singing songs about the demigods instead of Lord Vishnu. So the the demigods, they like to sing the glories of the Lord. And although generally the demigods also are very interested in uh, the satisfaction of their senses, uh, sexuality and food and so many things, they're also devotees and they also do Sankirtan. And we see in this planet there are also people like that. I I remember talking to one devotee who was an Ayurvedic doctor and also an astrologer. He said, you know, we have people in our movement who in their past life were these demigods, these gantarvas and these apsaras, and they come and they're doing sankirtan and they're also engaging in these same sorts of activities that they did in the higher planets. But on this planet, it's a little different. The rules are a little different in the heavenly planets and on this planet. Now, what he's doing is very, uh, you know, from our perspective, we can look at it and say, well, this is rather strange. But he's raised by the Lord. All of this, the airplane was given to him by the Lord. This particular service was given to him by the Lord. And the sages and the celestials are praising him. His activities are glorious. And it's said that he had full physical power and strength. For hundreds of thousands of years, and he's traveling all over the universe. So what? Millions of, years. millions of years. Millions of years. And I would assume this is millions of years of the demigods. I would assume this is not millions of Earth years. So he's, he's he has the service. The Lord gave him the service. Here's your airplane. You like women. Here's your women. <laughs> We want lots of women, here you go. Do sankirtan with them and take the sankirtan movement all over the universe. So that's what he was doing. And everybody was praising him. Alright, then he meets Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva has his wife on his lap with his arm around her. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that it's natural for a husband to embrace his wife. That that's not something extraordinary. However... Uh, Chitra Ketu said, generally this is done in private, at least in India it's generally done in private. It's it's kind of interesting, in India people will pass stool openly. It's difficult for someone from a western country, I never get used to it, actually. You know, when you ride, when you go from Vrindavan to Radhakun, if you go on that road at 6 o'clock in the morning, do not go on that road at 6 o'clock in the morning. But if you do go on that road at 6 o'clock in the morning, the men are on one side of the road and the women are on the other side, facing each other and, and pooping on the side of the road. And it's just, for somebody from America, this is just like, oh my God, what are they doing? And you know, by 610, there's just little puddles of stool and urine on the side of the road. So in India, people do their toilet business in the open. They brush their teeth outside. I've seen people brush their teeth on the roof and spit onto the ground. You know, people take their bath in public. And in Western countries, you do not take your bath in public, you do not brush your teeth in public, and you certainly do not you know, poop and pee in public. Um, But in the West, people will be sexually affectionate in public. It's quite common for people to, you know, they're embracing, they're kissing, they're holding hands and so forth in public. And in India, you don't see that. Even between husband and wife. I've very rarely seen in India even husband and wife holding hands or any, any kind of affection. So I think when the Indians go to the West, they must be also shocked. <laughs> Just like I am shocked, I'm like, "What are you doing on the side of the road?" And the Indians come to America and they say, "What are you doing on the side of the road?" So it was interesting that Lord Shiva is embracing his wife on his lap in public. It's not private, and not only in public, but while he's giving a Bhagavatam. class. So this would definitely be definitely be a scandal in Iscon. <laughs>
1: 100%.
0: 100%. If, if any of our Rahasta devotees sat on the Vyasasana and put his wife on his lap and had one arm around his wife and one hand with the book, it would definitely get big pictures. I don't think he would last five minutes. I don't think he would last five minutes either. No. But it would def- if he did last for five minutes, it would definitely, people would take pictures and videos and it would be reported to the GBC and it would be put on all of the internet websites and so forth. So, I think we would also laugh if, if we walked in the temple room and some brahmas is there with his wife on his lap, sitting on the vyasa sign, We would also be surprised, yes? It, it, it's natural. that Chichikeyu was surprised and he was laughing. yes. if yeah. Shiva... Well, because we've studied the Bhagavatam, we would probably be quiet.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because the story is there in the Bhagavatam, we think, oops, that's no chip, I better be quiet. Otherwise, I'm going to become, be cursed to become a monster. So, uh, I don't know. But so he laughs. And uh, he laughs loudly, and he, he laughs very loudly. Now, this is a key. He laughs very loudly. You know, I see all kinds of strange things go on in the Holy Christian movement. But I don't usually laugh loudly. I may laugh quietly. I may go, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm seeing this. Whoa. You know. Have you all seen all kinds of things go on in the Holy Christian movement? If you haven't, stick around for another month or so. And you will. You know, you'll, you'll see things that are very strange and you'll think, how is this happening? But, you know, you may just wonder in your mind, but he was laughing very loudly. And there was a class going on. So if you walk, you walk into a class, you know, you start laughing very loudly. And then he speaks very loudly also. You know, okay, so I want us to look at the purport for texts four and five. And Prabhupada says here, that the Supreme Personality of Godhead wanted to bring Chitra Ketu to Vaikuntaloka as soon as possible. The Lord's plan was that Chitra Ketu be cursed by poverty to become vitrassaro so that in his next life he could quickly return home back to Godhead. There have been many instances in which a devotee acting as a demon had been brought to the kingdom of God by the mercy of the Lord. He said, the curse was the cause of his returning home back to Godhead. So this is a very interesting point that Chula is bringing up from Vishnu Chakravati And there's, there's several interesting implications from this. Uh, one is that Chichurkeji's behavior and Parvati's behavior both, and maybe Lord Shiva's behavior as well, were all inspired by the Lord. That perhaps, perhaps Krishna had engineered this situation to, you know, Lord Shiva definitely does not always embrace Parvati when he's giving lectures, because we have other instances in the Bhagavatam, like after the sacrifice of Daksha, where Lord Shiva is speaking, and he doesn't have Parvati on his lap. So it's not that he does this all the time. And this inclination of Chichuketu and Parvati, it may have been inspired by the Lord, or simply the Lord may have understood how Chitra would act and how Parvati would act, most likely. And so he set up the situation, knowing that they would most likely respond in this way. This is questionable. Another questionable thing is, why did Chitra progress need to be accelerated? Because you were meant to enjoy there for
1: many thousands of years. But that was given
0: to him by Lord Vishnu. So it's interest, It's an interesting question, and I don't have an answer, or acharyas don't give an answer, but it's simply an interesting question that that the Lord felt, according to Vishnu Nhat as quoted by Śrīla Prabhupāda, the Lord felt that Chitra wasn't making fast enough progress. And I, I said we would talk about this today in regard to yesterday's verses where Dev says you are perfect and then he says your perfection is assured and we talked about being perfect and more perfect so in one sense Chitra Keju was already perfect it was the Lord who said here's your airplane, here's your women go to Sankirtan and yet the Lord is saying hmm we need to speed this up so there's, there's some, something going on here that wasn't what it should have been. Maybe it wasn't that? We don't know. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, we do have near the end of the story uh, a, a statement that Lord Shiva, that it was kind of a friendly thing that Chitra Ketu's, saying, okay, why are you hugging your wife on your lap in public in front of the sages and Lordship is thinking, and what are you doing flying around with all these women? So that there was was some friendly exchange like that between them, but we don't know. All, All we can say based on this purport is that obviously the Lord, even though He'd already seen Chitra Ketu, and even though he gave Chitra this service, he felt Chitra needed to be accelerated. And that he would go faster, instead of being some demigod in an airplane going all over the universe with a bunch of women, doing sankirtan, having everybody praising him, he would be faster as a demon. Which is also interesting. But sometimes, the best situation for a particular person seems to be a bad situation. It would seem to me that being a demigod doing sankirtan and being praised by the sages is a much faster route back to home, back to godhead, than being a demon. Yes? Sounds logical to me. But it may not be the case. And so sometimes a situation that seems opposed to devotional service is actually a better situation. And we see sometimes among devotees, they may be put in a situation where they say, this situation is not favorable for my Krishna consciousness. I need a more favorable situation. But it could be that actually their situation is the most favorable it, this is not such an easy thing to judge from the outside. You know, to look at our own situation, look at other situations and say, this situation is more favorable than this situation. Is everybody following this logic? Yes. Because it would seem, based on logic and Shastra, that things would be the reverse. But where Vishnu is saying, Hey, you take birth, as, you get out of here, take birth as a demon, your progress will be faster. Okay, so that's the introductory, the, kind of the basis for the real heart of what's going on in these verses. But it's an important basis. Okay, so let's look at at six and seven. Just say suppose there's someone yes.
1: yes. saying I don't have a proposition.
0: What I usually tell people is put no more than 10% of your energy into trying to fix your situation and put 90% of your energy into being Krishna conscious in the situation that you have. Um, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because the heart of these verses is, is not on this section, not on these, um, the heart of what I want to talk about is not on these five verses today. We cover so many verses in such a short time. Vishnathaguritakur uh, Madhurya Kadambani gives one of the symptoms of the neophytes as indecision. And the main indecision he talks about is, should I marry or not? <laughs> That's the main indecision he, he brings up. But it, he, he relates to that, you know, should I basically should I renounce everything and live in the Dham, or should I be married and work in the world? And this is his main quandary. But I see that it... Or, who is that? This is for the Anista, Sadhana dbahta. This is a person who has not attained steadiness. It's one of the symptoms of a of a neophyte. And you know, I see that in general, a focus on the externals of my life. You know, that if I if I just adjust the externals of my life in a particular way, then I will be Krishna conscious. You know, and I see people who are they're focused. I have to get married people focus, I have to have a child. Or people focus, I have to get out of my marriage and I have to renounce. Or they're focused on, you know, I have to go live in the Dham. Or I have to do this, or I have to do that. Anytime any of us are focused like that, I have to make this external change in my life. I can't be Krishna conscious now. I have to first make this change, and then I can be Krishna conscious. And the reason I'm not Krishna conscious is because of something external in my life. That is a, a prime symptom of being a it, It's one of the main, main, main symptoms, according to Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, of being a very beginning devotee, of thinking that those things are what's important. I have to be healthy before I can be Krishna. Whatever it is, I have some problem in my life, and everybody has a problem. Does everyone here have some problem? Yes. So everybody has some problem. They want to marry, they can't find anybody. They found someone and they don't like them and now they want to get rid of them. You know, they don't want, they don't want children but they have them and they don't like them. I was just visiting a family and the child was screaming and the father said, can you just take him please? So you, know, you have children, you don't like them. Or you don't have children and you want them. I meet people all the time, oh, I don't have a child, I don't a child. Or you know, they don't have money, I need to get money, I need to get money. Or they don't have a job, or they don't have a proper home, or they don't get along with the temple president, or they have some kind of disease, or they have some kind of mental anxiety, or somebody doesn't like them, they have an enemy. somebody is criticizing them or cursing them or something everybody has something that we think if I could just take care of this something then I would be Krishna conscious just like in ordinary life we might think alright let me wash the dishes and then I'll sit down with the bottle in ordinary life we, you know I'll I'll do this first, and then I can do this. I can't do this until I do this. Ordinary life is like this, correct? We have to do some this this thing first and this thing first. But being conscious of Krishna can happen anywhere, under any situation. There's no first. Actually, that's an example of mixing bhakti. Mixed bhakti is whenever you think I have to do something else first. First I have to get my life together in terms of karma, or first I have to get my life together in terms of yin, or first I have to get my life together in terms of yoga, and then I can remember Krishna and be aware of Krishna. We can be aware of Krishna in any situation, in any circumstance, anywhere, at any time. any Hironi who can be trying to kill you, and you can be aware of Krishna. You can be in a Soviet labor camp, dying from malnutrition, and you can be Krishna conscious. You can be beaten in 23 marketplaces and you can be Krishna conscious. Your child can be a murderer and you can be Krishna conscious. Your wife can exile your deity to the forest for 14 years and you can be Krishna conscious. You know, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Your stepmother can disinherit you and you can be Krishna conscious. It doesn't matter. You know, so this thinking that I have to get those things together and then I can be Krishna conscious is one of the main, 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 main symptoms, one of the five main symptoms of a neophyll. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't get your life together as service. You know, if you need to be married, if you're a young person and you should be married, then you should get married. And if you're an old person and you need to be renounced, you should renounce. Yeah. I mean, this is a simple thing. And sometimes you can't fix it, you know. Sometimes there's something you can't fix. If your leg's been cut off, your leg's been cut off. What are you going to do? Certain things can't be fixed. So give some energy into taking care of the externals as service. But our main energy should be in becoming Krishna conscious in the situation that we have yeah. and trusting that Krishna is, is in, ultimately in charge of our situation. Prabhupada Wright said in that letter to Jagataka Swami that I like so much, 1972. The surrendered devotee sees that everything is Krishna's plan, whatever is meant to be, I am doing that. <coughs> Everything, the surrendered devotee sees, I'm not getting this word for word, the surrendered devotee sees that everything is part of Krishna's plan, whatever is meant to be, I am doing that, or that I am doing, or something like that. I'm not getting the words exactly right. It's a letter in 1972. To Jai Swami. I think it has the word secret. It definitely has the word surrender or surrendered. And it definitely has the word plan, so. But I'm not getting the exact words. one of my favorite, favorite, favorite letters there's five instructions there about what does it mean to surrender. But this is everything as Krishna's plan. Whatever is meant to be, I do. Nobody can become my enemy if Krishna doesn't allow. You know, uh, with with uh, Anga, Prabhupada writes in the purport that generally the parents would take great care to get people a suitable spouse in those days. But somehow he said sometimes by the grace, by the arrangement of God, there was a mistake made. And you married someone unsuitable. And that Krishna arranged that Anga married this really nasty woman. She was, she was very nasty. She was, she was called the daughter of death personified. That doesn't mean he was Yamaraj. It meant he was a really cruel person. And the wife was also very cruel. And so the son was also very cruel. Prabhupada said it was a mistake, he shouldn't have married her. But that was done by the arrangement of the Lord. And it's the arrangement of the Lord if we have a grand opulent palace like Sodoma or whatever. And it's the arrangement of the Lord when it changes. You know, you have a Rajasuya Yagya and the whole world is praising you and then you're exiled for 13 years. Then all your kids die. My God, you know? All your kids, your cousins, your everybody dies, and then you get to rule the earth again in great opulence, but with you know 90 percent of your family killed. But this is yes.
1: Sometimes everything is Lord's plans, but Lord's, Lord, or also said that whatever we get uh, and may okay, suffer this material is our. Because independent. So, independently, they do all this. Okay, but you're, let's talk
0: about devotee and non devotee. So, for the non devotee, everything is just karma. But karma is also the Lord's will. Karma is also the Lord's will. The whole law of karma is, the, is coming from God. So, the whole system of how karma works is also the Lord's will. And for the devotee, they are personally under the care of the Lord. They're not under the law of karma. But you can still say, if I have come to this material world, it's still my fault. So let's say that a person becomes an addict. Let's say a person is like an alcoholic or a heroin addict or something like that. Right? So whose fault is that? It's the person's own fault. Well, I mean, you might be born to a drug-addicted mother and be born an addict. Can I have uh, some you? Just, just wait one second. So if you become an addict, that's your fault. Yes? Everybody agrees? Yes. Okay. So then you go to the doctor, and the doctor gives you some treatment. And the treatment has some pleasant things because you get well, and some painful things. So, Krishna's mercy, I've never been addicted to anything in this life. But what I've read is that getting rid of an addiction is very painful. So, when the doctor's giving the treatment, there's pain involved. There's also pleasure because you're getting free of your addiction. That pain that comes in the treatment, is that coming from the doctor or is it coming from the addict? From the actions of the but the pain of withdrawing from the addictive substance that happens because of the treatment of the doctor, is that coming from the doctor or the patient? The treatment, the treatment is painful to... But who's giving the treatment? The doctor. Why is it painful? Because he's sick. Because he's an addict. So who's responsible for the pain? But you could say the doctor. Is the patient under the care of the doctor?
1: Yes.
0: Will the doctor say this pain of withdrawal is a good sign? Yes, it will sign. So for the devotee in this world, everything is happening under the care of Krishna. But it's happening because I'm materially attached. So therefore you can say it's all happening because of me. Do you follow that logic? Because I've never been an addict, at least not in this life. I don't have to do this treatment plan. I have no need for it. So for me, there's no pain from this.
1: living comes in this energy so they What's created?
0: Because they want it. But we're talking here about a devotee. We're not talking about a non-devotee. When Prophet said, the surrender devotee sees that everything is part of Krishna's plan, whatever is meant to be, I am doing that? He's talking about a devotee. He's not talking about a non-devotee. He's talking about somebody who's gone to the Lord and saying, My Lord, I surrender unto you. And as soon as we do that, even one time, as soon as we say, My Lord, I've surrendered unto you, then everything that happens to us is part of Krishna's plan. Everything. Now, also, you could say everything is our own foolishness. That would both be true, just like the addict in the treatment center. Everything that's happening to the heroin addict in the treatment center is because of his or her own foolishness. Everything. If you never become a heroin addict, you never go to the treatment center. So what is the question? But everything that's happening in the treatment center is also due to the doctor. Is
1: that we don't have the knowledge, although we're devotees, we don't
0: have knowledge as much as the less of the devotees, these two kind of six that we have the knowledge. And that would lead to you know, foolishness. So that no, as soon as I surrender to Krishna, everything that's happening to me is Krishna's plan. us. That's all. When If you're a heroin addict and you go into a treatment center and you say, I am going to follow the treatment and you follow that that you stay in that treatment center, then everything you experience is under your treatment plan. And if you leave the treatment center, that's something else. But as long as you're staying in there, everything that's happening is according to the plan of the doctor. Does this make sense to you? Yes. At the same time, everything that's happening to you is your own foolishness for being a heroin addict in the first place. Does this make sense to you? You understand? Do, do you understand this? Yeah, but if I had
1: the knowledge, or anybody had the knowledge, they won't make the mistake. They don't, need to they don't like No, that's not true.
0: No. We all have full knowledge and we still make the mistake. Even British... towards... <deaths> then, you're talk, then you're talking about our original fall and I'm not talking about that today. No. We have, this is the introductory part of the chapter. I don't want to talk about this for very long and I'm definitely not talking about our original fall at all. That's not happening. Um, but just to understand this principle, of why why was Chitra in this situation? He was in this situation by the will of the Lord. What exactly that means, to what extent is Krishna's engineering involved in this, is not clear. But the main idea is that sometimes... The will of the Lord for a devotee may be to be in a situation that appears to be the opposite of what is best for their Krishna consciousness. Yes?
1: Do you think that after one has surrendered to the Lord then whatever happens to use Krishna's plan Yes. So as long as one is not surrendered and one is in the, for example, in the material modes. Yes. But they have free will. But not those who are free will.
0: Everybody has free will.
1: Krishna's plan, whatever. Okay, I'm going to
0: try to give the example again. Suppose you do something and you become sick. You smoke tobacco, you shoot heroin, you drink alcohol, you have illicit sex and get syphilis. You do something wrong that makes you sick. Then you go to a hospital, you go to a clinic, you go to a treatment center. And you say, please make me well. That is your free will. And you are in the hospital, you are in the treatment center, and you are using your free will to stay there and get better. Everything that happens to you in the clinic or the hospital or the treatment center is the will of your doctor. It is the plan. Your doctor gives you a plan. You take this medicine at this time and you do this exercise. It's all the doctor's plan. You're
1: freely,
0: you're freely submitting yourself to the doctor's plan. Now, it's all your fault if the disease was something you did to yourself. So, if if you smoke, I'm not saying you personally, if, if a person, if they smoke tobacco, if they take heroin, they take cocaine, they take alcohol, they're having illicit connections, they're doing that to themselves. They're not at all a victim. It's completely their responsibility. But once they go into a treatment program, it's completely the doctor. You can say both. But the doctor will not give that treatment plan to healthy people. A, A doctor doesn't make healthy people take chemotherapy. Unless they're a rascal. So... The pain from from the treatment its completely the fault of the patient if they became an addict. But they are completely under the plan of the doctor. Do you understand how both are true? But it's your free will to go to the doctor or not and follow the plan or not. That's up to you. You know, that's... Like, you're here by your free will. You could get up and leave whenever you want. But I'm running the class. Yes? And ultimately, the VIHE is running the class. They're telling me, you teach these verses. If I come and say, well, I, I want to teach other verses. I don't want to teach these verses. They're telling me what verses to teach, they're telling me what class I'm going to go into. They're telling me what time to teach it. They're even telling me what topics to focus my attention on. So I'm submitting to the plan of the VIHE. You now I have some free will within that plan of how I, they're not giving me a whole lesson plan. So I develop my own lesson plan. And then I decide how this class is going to be run. And when we're going to talk about this and when we're not going to talk about this and how we're going to do it and how we're not going to do it. That doesn't take away your free will and it doesn't take away my free will. And then I'm sure there's something from Iskan Vrindavan. This is the property of Iskhan Vrindavan. They have some say as to what the VIHE can do here. If the VIHE says, you know, we want to do... You know, ballroom dancing here on the property, and we want to serve alcohol, and the, the, that, the temple would say no. And the government has some say about what we do here. If we say, you know, we want to run a, a marijuana distribution center, the government would say no. But that doesn't take away our free will. Uh, to Lord
1: and he said that. Uh, God's man. That's not as difficult. And, uh, but it also becomes his karma. God, God, it's God, no God, karma. He gets, he gets cursed.
0: There's no karma here. We're not working with he karma. Gets cursed. But it's not karma. Karma is run by a different department. So, just like there's a judge and he has his own children. So, in the courtroom, the judge is giving people their results under the law. But in his own home, with his own children, it's a different system. If the the judge at home, if his 10, 12-year-old child steals something, the 12-year-old child steals some money from his mother's purse to buy a new video game, that's not under the law the judge who decides at home with his own son what will be the consequence. There's not a lawyer, it's not a court case, he's not opening up the law books. You understand? It's different. So karma is under the the demigods, it's under Yamaraj, it's a system of laws. And Krishna dealing with the devotees is like Krishna dealing with his own children. Now, they might do the same thing. So if some 12-year-old child is brought in front of the judge for stealing from his mother's purse, the judge might say, I sentence you to 100 hours of community service. And maybe the judge with his own son stealing from the judge's wife's purse, the judge will also say, you have to do 100 hours of service. You may give exactly the same response. But one is, is, is under the criminal law. There's a criminal record and the other is not. It's a personal thing between the parties. So when the devotee does something wrong, it's personal between him and the Lord. So this is not karma. Now when you say, it's not Chitra free will. As I said, we do not know exactly how the Lord engineered this. We really don't know. So to say that the way the Lord engineered this violated Chitraketu's free will, I would have to demure and say, I don't believe that is the case. And that's on the basis of a statement in the Chaitanya Bhagavat where Lord Chaitanya talks about how he's going to get the Mohammedan, I talked about this the other day, how he's going to get the Mohammedan ruler to stop harassing Sri Vastakku. And he says, I, I speak to him. I have to get on the internet to find this, and if somebody calls my phone while I'm on the internet, it is not my fault. So don't make me buy sweets for Shivas is most dear to the Lord, therefore the Lord blessed him. Oh, I'm going to go on. Okay. At him and everyone present by placing his lotus feet upon their heads, smiling, Vishambar said, May your attachment and attraction for me increased. The Lord spoke loudly like a roaring lion, and addressing Shiva said, O oh, Shivas, are you afraid of something? News has reached me that the government men want to capture you, and they have come with two boats. I am the super soul within everyone's heart. Thus I control and direct everyone's activities according to my sweet will. The king can only capture you if I, being situated in his heart, prompt him to do so. Yet, if for some reason he acts independently and gives the order to capture you, then I will do the following. I will be the first to step into the boat and present myself before the king. Upon seeing me, do you think that he can remain seated upon the throne I will delude him, take control of him, and drag him down. Should this not happen, then I will tell the king, Listen to the truth, O king. Call all of your religious heads and judges to the court. Collect all of your elephants, horses, animals, and birds. Whatever creatures you have, bring them to your palace. Then order all of your priests to read from your scriptures and inspire the creatures to such a state of spiritual emotion that they begin to cry. When his priests fail to do so, then I will reveal my potency to the king. I will say, O king, on the instruction of the same Kazi priest whose lack of spiritual power we have already witnessed, you want to forbid the congregational chanting of the holy name of Krishna. Now you shall see my power to the full satisfaction of your eyes. Then I shall capture a mad elephant and bring him before the king, along with other elephants, horses, deer, and other animals, and instantly make them all cry in ecstasy and chant Krishna's name. I will make the king and all his men cry and chant Krishna's name. I know that you don't believe that it is possible, but I will show you right now and you can see for yourself. The Lord noticed a small girl, who was the daughter of Shiva's brother, named Narayani. Lord Gauranga, the supreme goddess, the super soul in everyone's heart, ordered the little girl, Narayani, chant Krishna's name and cry in ecstasy. The four-year-old girl became extremely agitated with ecstatic spiritual emotion and cried out, Oh, Krishna! She began to weep, losing all perception of the external world. Tears streamed down her body and she fell to the ground. Smiling, Lord Vishnambara, Asrivas, Are your fears pacified now? So he's talking about free will. Lord Chaitanya is saying, I'm going to save you from the Muslim. He said, they're coming in boats, they're going to capture you. I'll tell him in his heart, as a super-soul, don't capture him. But he may not listen to me. He doesn't have to listen to me, the super-soul. If he doesn't listen to me, I'll go on the boat. I'll go to the king. I'll force him. I'll say, you cannot do this. If he still doesn't listen to me, then I'll say, bring your priests. Bring your animals. Tell your priest to make all the animals cry in love of God. And when they can't do that, I'll make all the animals cry in love of God, and even the king will cry in love of God. Just see what I will do with Narayana. So this is the interplay between the Lord's will and the free will of the living entity. So Lord Vishnu understood that Chitra needed to have his spiritual life accelerated. He understood that. Lord Vishnu understood. Chitra Ketu is not making as fast progress as I wanted him to make. Let me put him in a situation where he's going to make a mistake. Now, to what extent did he inspire Chitra Ketu to say what he said? To what extent did he inspire Parvati inspire to say what she said? I don't. That's not it. We need to go on, or we're not going to take care of what we need to take care of. I only wanted to spend 10 minutes on this, I spent like over half an hour. Okay, I want to look at 6 and um, 6 through 8. And can you tell me how Chitra Ketu praises Lord Shiva? What does he say to praise Lord Shiva? Okay, I'm just gonna go around everybody tell me something. Yes.
1: <laughs> Six to
0: eight. Yes. Six to
1: eight. Yes. Six to eight. yes. Is this a
0: We just said that. Something different yeah, than someone else has it. said. Yes. It's it's
1: the good. Good. Yes. The best, um, Yes, next.
0: Tell me something different that everybody else has said. There's like ten things here. Yes, Babaji, you, something. Yes. Some specific, what's some specific prayer that he the specific praise that he gave? Huh? You don't have to think, just read it. Yes, what's another one? position of Something specific. No, nobody said that yet. Yes.
1: Yeah, he is the president of the
0: assembly. Yes, another one. Oh,
1: he does austerity and penances. Yes, another one. is a strict follower of many
0: principles. Yeah, I think we said that one already. Yes, another one. So,
1: they did not open the life. No, I want specific praise. What specific
0: praise? Yes. Enunciates the system of religion. Enunciate the system of religion. Yes, it's it's just right here. It's just a question of looking at it. That he, has, that he has matted hair, yes. Okay, we have Loka Guru, spiritual master of the people who follow Vedic instructions. Asaksha Dharma Vakta, directly the speaker of religion for all living entities. He's the chief, Mukya, in an assembly, right? He has matted locks of hair, top tapa, highly elevated due to undergoing fierce austerities. Strict followers of the Vedic, president of the assembly, and in eight. Yes. Master of great vows and austerity. Okay, so these are his praises of worship. He's praising worship. Okay. And then let's look at his criticisms of worship. Again, please just look at specifics. What does it say in the verses? So we're looking here again at six, seven, and eight. And what's his criticism? Embracing, embracing his wife. So Maithuni buya means a wife. He's embracing his wife. And he's doing that in the midst of the
1: assembly. For
0: in the assembly. In the assembly. What about seven? What does he say?
1: Huh? She did she did wife
0: on the lap. Huh? On the light. On the on ah. the lap. Yes. And we have. A look at the Sanskrit. Anki embracing... Now here we have Striya. Stria. Which is a little different, isn't it?
1: Salarian. A woman. Mm-hmm.
0: Not, a, not a wife, just woman. So first time it's wife. Is that a little different? If you're embracing your wife and you're embracing a woman? Yeah, a little different. So this is more extreme. First time it's you're embracing your wife, here it's embracing a woman. Without shame.
1: Without shame. Savayam.
0: And what do we have? Prakritaha.
1: Conditioned
0: by material nature. Yatta just like a, a non devotee, just like a, a conditioned soul. Yeah. Right? And what about an eight? It can be, but it can also mean woman. Here yeah, Prabhupada said woman. Pra, and, well, if you look at Prabhupada in the word for word of text eight, he's saying stria means wife because it's, we're talking about his wife. But if you look at the language Chitra Keju uses, he does go from wife to woman. Is that there? Yes. It, it definitely, he get, he's getting more extreme. Text 8, what is he saying? He's saying that
1: uh, he's embracing a woman again. He's, he's
0: enjoying... No, not. He said conditioned souls usually do this in, in South, but you're doing it in public. Okay, so he's, he's getting each of these three verses, he's getting a little stronger he's basically making the same points over and over again but he's making it a little stronger you're embracing your wife in an assembly you're embracing this woman in public in front of the sages and uh, ordinary people do this in private and you're embracing a woman in public Okay, so that's what he says and he's mixing this with 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 praise Okay, very good Okay, I'd like us to um, to now open up to Bhagavatam 4.2. So some of we are
1: going to open the, the internet.
0: Then share with somebody. And 4.2.8, starting with text 8. Or, actually, we can start with text 10. 4, to 10. 4, 2. 4, two, ten. <coughs> So, 2, 4. 4, 2, 10. Oh, 4, ten. Four, to ten. Okay. Canto 4, chapter 2, text 10.
1: The perfect?
0: No. So, here we look at what Daksha says when he's criticizing Lord Shiva. Shiva has spoiled the name and fame of the governors of the universe, polluted the path of gentle manners, shameless, does not know how to act, already accepted himself as my subordinate by marrying my daughter, married my daughter's equal to Gayatri, pretending to be like an honest person, eyes like a monkey, yet married my daughter who has eyes like a deer, but he did not stand up to receive me, nor did he think fit to welcome me with sweet words. I had no desire to give my daughter to this person who has broken all rules of civility. Because of not observing the required rules and regulations, he is impure. But I was obliged to hand over my daughter to him, just as one teaches the messages of the Vedas to a shudra. He lives in filthy places like crematoriums. His companions are the ghosts and demons. Naked like a madman, sometimes laughing, sometimes crying, he smears crematorium ashes all over his body. does not bathe regularly ornaments with garlands of skulls and bones. In name only is he auspicious, the most mad and inauspicious, very dear to crazy beings and the gross mode of ignorance, and he is their leader. On the request of Lord Brahma, I handed over my chaste daughter to him, although he is devoid of all cleanliness and his heart is filled with nasty things. Thus Dr. Singh Lord Shiva, sitting as if against him, washed his hands and mouth and cursed him. The demigods are eligible to share the oblations of sacrifice, but Lord Shiva, who is the lowest of all the demigods, should not have a share. So here we have two people criticizing Lord Shiva. Shameless. Shameless. What else? meta What else is the same? They're they're thinking in the aspects of etiquette. Yes. They're both looking at etiquette. They're both looking at etiquette. Anything else that's the same?
1: Good
0: sense? sense. They're they're saying that he's doing something without good sense. They
1: they both forgot
0: their (coughs) position, Lord Shiva. Oh. They forgot their own position. They both call Lord Shiva a leader. Okay, now let's look at what's different. What's different? Daksha cursed him. Cursed. But to expressed his wonder. Not only Ok, wonder and what else? Praises. Praise.
1: Chitragetu praises. Daksha considered him subordinate because he had married his daughter. Yeah. Say when you are saying forgetting the position, it's uh, what Daksha is saying is a low position and uh, what Chitri is saying is a high position.
0: Okay, so he has a materially higher position in one sense, but here he definitely has a materially lower position, right? Lower. I mean, Daksha and Shiva are both sons of Lord Rama, So in one sense, they're brothers. But in another sense, because Daksha's daughter marries Lord Shiva, materially, he has a higher position. But Chitra Ketu definitely has a lower position. So they both have got their own spiritual position, but in Daksha's case, he had a materially higher position in some way and Chitri-Kate, which is in the lower position. What about the difference in calling Lord Shiva a leader?
1: Chitri-Kate says he's the leader of the saint, people. The leader of the saints. <laughs> and Dr. says he's the leader
0: of the most ghosts the Motivations are different.
1: Because Daksha wanted to insert that Chitraketu wanted him to be protected. Well, we're going
0: to go to motives in a minute, but just let's look at the externals of their behavior. Any other big differences that we see here?
1: Well, the Daksha really, I think, the real names, like you have Isaac Hawk and these kind of things. just is surprised about the situation, it doesn't attack him. But.
0: No attacks, really. No attacks of names. And um, what's Daksha's mood? Anger. Deserving. And? Deserting. And envy, right? Yeah. And what's Chitra Cage's mood? He's
1: laughing. <laughs> I do want say they were both...
0: Pride. Proud. Mm. That was pride. Which is what we're just about to we will we'll get to that. We're gonna to get to this when we get to uh, uh, when we get to why Parvati curses him. That's the essence of why she curses him. Okay. Now you talked about motivation. So is it always easy to tell what our motivation is? Can you have people who do very similar actions but have very different motives? Yes. Okay, let's look at this purport to verse 9 in the sixth canto. It starts off with saying Chitraketra's purpose in criticizing Lord Shiva is somewhat mysterious and cannot be understood by a common man. Shilavishnu Chakravarti Thakur, however, has made the following observations. Lord Shiva, being the most exalted Vaishnava, is able to do anything he desires, although he was externally exhibiting the behavior of a common man and not following etiquette. So Prabhupada is agreeing that Lord Shiva was not following etiquette. So both Daksha and Chichuketra were talking about something true, that Lord Shiva was not following etiquette. Such actions cannot diminish his exalted position. The difficulty is that a common man seeing Lord Shiva's behavior might follow his example. He quotes Yad Yadicharji, he says A common man might also criticize Lord Shiva like Daksha, who suffered the consequences for his criticism. King Chitraketu desired that Lord Shiva cease his external behavior so that others might be saved from criticizing him and thus become offenders. So it says Lord Shiva was not angry. He understood Chitraketu's purpose. And the, uh, the other members of the assembly also understood his purpose. So in Chaitanya Lila, we have two people who criticize Lord Chaitanya. They are? Ramachandrapuri and? Oh, yes, I hadn't thought about him. I'm thinking about someone else. Compared to Chitra Ketu and Daksha. So Ramachandapuri could be compared to Daksha. Who could be compared to Chitra Ketu who criticized Lord Chaitanya? Oh, that was a little different. He wasn't criticizing Lord Chaitanya's etiquette. Someone who was criticizing Lord Chaitanya on the basis of etiquette and behavior. Two people. Well, it was a Moga. Okay, we would have a Moga and Mama Puri would be like Daksha. And who was like Chitra Do we have a problem? Someone has to leave.
1: Do you have to leave?
0: She to... Who acted like Chitra and criticizing Lord Chaitanya? I don't know if you give me this story. Somebody said, Lord Chaitanya, if you act like this, you're breaking etiquette and other people will criticize you. So you should stop so other people don't criticize you. Jagananda Pandit, that was personal between them uh, No, not really Damodar Pandit this
1: young boy.
0: Yes Damodar Pandit would regularly see this young boy whose father had died And Damodar pandit said the young boy's mother she's young and pretty she's a widow and if you if you make if you're friends with the boy people will think you're making friends with the boy to get to the mother There's a single mother with a ch- you know, people may make friends with the child as a way of establishing a relationship with the mother. And Dhammadar Pandit said, I know, Lord Chaitanya, that you're not doing anything wrong, but other people will criticize you. Yes. So that was the same thing as Chitra was doing. Except Dhammadar Pandit actually said that. He actually said, Other people will criticize you. I know you're not doing anything wrong. Chitraketu did not actually say that. <coughs> if he had actually said that, maybe Parvati wouldn't have gotten so angry. But that was what he was thinking. He was thinking if you do this, other people will criticize you and then they will suffer. Hmm? And what did Lord Chaitanya do with Damodar Pandit? He accepted No, he didn't. He accepted the love. But he didn't accept the criticism. He said, I'm going to go on seeing this boy. I don't really care what you say. And he told him to go to Bengal and uh, keep all the devotees having good behavior. He said, go to Bengal and you make sure that all the devotees there behave. Okay. Um, There are two motivations we mentioned one. There's another one. All right? Look through this purport to text 9 and tell the person next to you what would Chitra take? two reasons. There's two for his criticism of Lordship. Please tell the person next to you what were the two reasons. So Prabhu, if you can please look in the purport for text 9 and tell one other devotee here what are the two reasons that, what were the two reasons Chitra you had for criticizing Lord Shiva. They're both in that purport to text 9.
1: You only have one more minute.
0: Two reasons. Find the two reasons. And please tell the person next to you. 30 more seconds. Please turn to the person next to you and tell them the two reasons why Chitra Ketu criticized Lord Shiva, his two reasons that he had. We already mentioned one of them, so you only have to find the other one. Please tell the person next to you we are running out of time. Okay, we are going on. You will need to know that for your exam. If you did not do what I asked you to do, you cannot blame me because I told you to tell the person next to you and some of you did not do that. I hope you found both the motivations. Okay, now I'd like you to take an empty piece of paper or an empty document on your computer and I would like you to make a free border around it Will you take the number of this verse, 61710, Will you please take a, a fresh piece of paper or a fresh document and make some pre-design that says 61710, any way you'd like to do it? Make it as a border. Draw a border
1: around your paper, you do something.
0: We're here putting 617. After you do that, inside the board of your paper, Please write a summary of the purport to 61710, no more than four sentences. Write inside your border, summarize the purport to 61710, not more than four sentences, between two to four sentences. So, our last main point of today's session is Parvati her response. Now, Shiva and the saintly persons, they respond to Chitra believing that he has good motives. He believes he has those two good motives and they just don't say anything. Shiva and the saintly persons do not respond to Chitra underlying problem. But Parvati does. And, and this is kind of interesting because uh, generally we, we tend to think that Uh, with a father and mother, that the mother is softer and the father is stronger. That's not true in every family, though. In some families, the mother is harder and the father is softer. In this case, the father is softer and the mother is harder. In fact, she uses the word putra. My dear son. And her using the word putra means that what she's about to do is out of affection to correct him now remember that Parvati is what What? who is she she's Durga she's the agent of Krishna to do what in the world correct she's, she's meant to correct us that's her job it's the job of the mother to correct the children that's her job if the mother doesn't correct the children, she's not a good mother. You're not a good mother, bless you, if you just feed your kids and give them clothes and send them to school, but you don't correct them. Okay, so what is her, what's her reasons for why Kate, you did the wrong thing? First reason is, what's the first reason that she gives? She goes on for quite a while with this one.
1: Because if one is
0: not humble and meek, one cannot qualify to. No, no, it. the first one. The, the, he's yeah. shameless. What? He's shameless. Uh, no, no, she's going on and on and on here.
1: If you he have got the things very much advanced, maybe he's
0: in the post that he's, he's. No, no, so she's in 11, 12, and 13. Okay. What, what's her first argument? Oh, he, doesn't have the authority. he doesn't have the authority. He's violated etiquette. Aha. Interesting. Chitra Ketu is accusing Shiva of violating... What? Etiquette. etiquette. Who's violating etiquette here? Because he doesn't have the authority. It's not his job. It's not my job to correct other people's children. Except in very unusual circumstances. It's not... But what does this mean? He's violating... Mariana Vatikrama. He's violating the etiquette. Does Lord Shiva have authorities? She's listing them, isn't she? Who's Lord Shiva's authority? She's listing them. It's right here. Narada, the
1: Kumaras.
0: The Kumaras, who else? Narada. Who else? Vigil, Brahma. She's saying these are the people, it is their business. It's their business to correct, not yours. My dear friends, this is such an important point. So our first important point we hit on is if I'm finding fault with others, I may not be aware of my own problems and my own motives. I might think... I'm criticizing others for the sake of establishing dharma. Isn't that what Chitra thought? In two ways. He wanted to establish dharma. He didn't want other people to imitate Lord Shiva, and he didn't want other people to criticize Lord Shiva. So he thought, I'm, I'm criticizing Lord Shiva to establish dharma. But he wasn't aware of his own? But well, what was his problem? He didn't, wasn't aware of his own? Pride. pride. So when we go to criticize others, the first thing we should be thinking of is, might there be something evil motivating me? It's so easy to say, I'm criticizing for dharma. I'm doing it for dharma. But he wasn't doing it for dharma. He was doing it out of his pride. Pride. Second thing, do we have the authority? Is it our job? Is it our service? Do I have authority over this person? One very good friend of mine has pointed out a phenomenon of when men criticize the behavior of women who are not their, you know, wife or daughter or student. And her feeling is that when men instruct women who are not their subordinates, it's a kind of lust. That they're trying to control those women. They're trying to have some sort of power over those women. And I thought that was very profound. Many years ago, here in the Vrindavan temple, I went to Birjan and I said, There's something going on in the temple that I think is wrong. He said, But it's not your job. You don't have any authority. It's not your service. But I told him, it still bothers me. He said, then talk to Balaram about it. So I did, and Balaram did fix it. But that was, for me, was quite a lesson to think, is it my service? Is, is it my service to point out this person's faults and to correct this situation?
1: Now sometimes
0: we simply inform the people whose service it is. Like some months ago, one of my one devotee came to me and said, I mean, You should know that so-and-so Maharaj is doing this and this and this thing. I have no authority over that sannyasi at all. So the first thing I did was I wrote to the sannyasi and I said, I've heard that you're doing such and such you tell me your side. And he did. He said, it's true, I am doing that. So then I wrote to the sannyasa ministry and I wrote to the GBC and I said, this sannyasi is doing these things and he is, he is admitting that he is doing these things. You please deal with it. And then that was the end of my job. Is this clear? So sometimes we may tell someone, You might go to the parents and say, your child is doing such and such. No, if somebody is in danger of life, you don't think about whether or not you have the authority. (laughs) You know, if a child is running in the street in front of a car, it doesn't matter who's in charge of the child, just take them out of the street. So I'm not talking about emergencies. But if it's not an emergency, do I have the authority? And then to ask people, hate this, in 2019. They just hate it. What are the other authorities doing? If they're doing nothing, then leave it alone. And people hate this. They say, well, then I'm also going to criticize the authorities. Correct? There's such and such problem. I get this all the time. There's such and such problem. Talk to the authorities. The authorities don't do anything. Then it's not your problem. And you can always go to God. You can always go to the Supreme Authority and say, hey, that's what the demigods did about and about Ravana. You can go to the Supreme Authority and say, my dear Lord, this person's doing the wrong thing. would you deal with? So if Kach, really wanted to deal with this, who could he have talked to? Sankarshan. He could have talked to Sankarshan, with whom he had a personal relationship. Who else could he have talked to?
1: <laughs>
0: Some of these people could have talked to Shiva privately. He could have talked to Lord Ramam. But I don't really, you know, if he talked to Shiva privately, he would have had to be careful about that. But he could have talked to Lord
1: And He uh, he could have talked to any of these
0: people. This is a hard thing to do. That when we see something wrong, and we're sure it's wrong, to look to find out what's my motive, what's driving me, am I really as saintly as I think I am? Maybe I'm being motivated by pride. Maybe I'm being motivated by envy. Maybe I'm being motivated by lust. Who knows what I'm being motivated by? And is it my job? And the people whose job it is, what are they doing? I was just actually talking to my daughter about this as far as teaching children. We were saying when you teach children, the children sometimes misbehave. And many times, the way that you respond to misbehavior is you just ignore it. If you have a room of 35 kids, and if you deal with every bit of misbehavior all the time, you would never teach anything. Because in a room of 35 kids, somebody is not behaving perfectly at any given moment. It just is the reality. And so you choose, as the teacher, to ignore a lot of this behavior, which is what Lord Shiva and the other sages are doing here. They're ignoring Chitra pride. I'm sure Lord Shiva and the sages knew that he was proud. They chose to ignore it. And I was saying to my daughter, at this point in my life, I'm mostly teaching children as a demonstration so I'll go someplace where there's a school and the teachers will say, Ormila, can you teach a class? And we'll watch you teach. But when I'm, and sometimes, I mean, I recently had a class, no joke, 80, 8 zero kids. Which ages? From about 4 to 15. Now, I'm not going to be correcting every bit of misbehavior of 80 kids especially I just walked in I don't have an established relationship with them so I would have we, I would have other adults who were there watching me who would jump in and correct the kids
1: because they're thinking
0: oh that me she's supposed to be an expert teacher but she doesn't have control over the class That's why they're jumping in. I I can see that very clearly. They're jumping in out of?
1: Affection.
0: No. Out of? Pride. Pride. Because they think they're better at? Controlling the children. You you see this? Ginger Cage is jumping in out of pride because he thinks he's better at controlling his senses. He thought, well, I wouldn't embrace all these women in public. I'm just in private.
1: <laughs>
0: just in private. <laughs> Hard. So, yeah, they, they jump in and they try to correct the children right in front of me. and It's, it's obvious. They're proud and they think that they're better at classroom management than I am. It's it's a direct criticism of me. Do you think that they think that? No. What are they probably thinking?
1: They want to help.
0: That they're helping me. But why do they think I need help? I just think about this for a moment.
1: What?
0: Why do they think I need help? Because they think they are doing it better. They think I don't know what I'm doing. They don't know that I'm int that I know that I see there's some children talking over there. Like in this class, I see some of you doing things that have nothing to do with the class. It's not that I don't see. I'm not an idiot. So I can see that when the children are not doing something right, but I may choose that I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm not going to call it out. Some things I call out, some things I don't. And I'll usually say to those people, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. And I know that if they stop correcting the kids, I know they're thinking that Omela really doesn't know how to discipline the kids. I know that's what they're thinking. So Chitra Kate is doing this. He's just jumping in, thinking I'm being helpful. So when we criticize, we may think I'm being helpful. I'm mm-hmm. jumping in, I'm being helpful, I'm pointing mm-hmm. out I mean, really? Did Chitra Ketu really, really think that the sages didn't notice Parvati? He didn't
1: think that. They were seeing her.
0: So he was thinking that he was better than everybody else. That they were foolish for tolerating But he convinced himself that he just had these good motives. This is important stuff for us, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah? This is something that goes on in our Vaishnav society all the time. I am criticizing this devotee because I want to establish Dharma. And what are our real motives? And is it our job? And you see, what do the authorities do? Do authorities sometimes allow something wrong to go on for their own reasons? Do authorities sometimes allow something wrong to go on for their own reasons? Yes, it happens all the time. Now you can go to an authority and tell them if you think they don't know. So you can go to an authority and say, I don't know if you know that this is happening. You should know. In this case, obviously everybody knew they were right there. Okay, let's look at fourteen. Oh, what do we see in the purport of 14? What's right in the middle of the purport of 14?
1: The same
0: verse. The same verse right in the middle of the purport of text 14, isn't it? What's that verse again? Yeah, there we go. And so what Parvati is seeing... Is the same thing that who was seeing? No, no, what Parvati saw in Chitra Ketu, she's acting as someone's agent here, and she's seeing the same thing that Vishnu is seeing. You're going too slow. You have a problem. You think that you're advanced, you think that you're making progress, but you have a problem. And what's the problem? Prabhupada pointed it out in text 11, and now text, I think it's 11 or 10. 10. In text 10, and here again in text 11, he's not following what? What's the verse? What's the verse? Prophets quoting it in 10 and in 14.
1: You're not, peace, not, to you're to
0: not a peace to meet you. You're not being humble. You're not being gentle. He saw the Lord. He was told he was perfect. Everything he got was by the grace of the Lord. But he still had some defect. here. No, it was a very small defect. I mean, compared to me, he's a very humble devotee. It's not that he had some big defect, but he had a defect and Parvati saw it, and her job is to help the living entity come to Krishna, ultimately. That's her job. So she's seeing this. She's saying he does not deserve to approach the shelter of Lord Vishnu's lotus feet. She's saying, you're not ready. You're not ready for Vaikuntha. You're not ready for Vaikuntha. And she gives her reason unlike Chitra who didn't give his reason, she gives her reason. she says, uh, "Oh impudent one, my dear son, so you're impudent but you're my son. become a demon and that way you will. you, will commit you won't commit these offenses again because when you're a demon you won't be proud. I'm a great devotee, flying around in my airplane, doing harinam, with all these beautiful women, praising me and enjoying with me. And all of the sages and the saintly persons are praising me. Jai, jai, Ketu jai, jai, chitriketu, jai. And I saw Sankarshan face to face. Ah. You won't be able to do that when you're this big, ugly, nasty demon that all the demigods are trying to kill. Ain't nobody going to be praising you then. You're not going to have a beautiful airplane. No women are going to be interested in you, except maybe the surepodikas in the universe. You know. You're not going to. Be, what what will you have to be proud of? For ordinary son, or the ordinary
1: mother, what they should do for their son if they have something
0: demon. What should well definitely not try to make them become a demon. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but with an ordinary son, an ordinary mother. You you want to you want to help your your child to understand what are their real motives, and come to proper behavior. Definitely. But you know it's interesting, which we will go to this this afternoon. I believe. What? Um. Well, you know she has well actually tomorrow morning yeah it's tomorrow morning then we'll um, we'll get to, the, to Parvati's fault in this because Parvati has some fault here too but that we'll discuss tomorrow morning oh
1: this evening there is
0: not... indeed there is <laughs> but we won't touch that this evening. I hope that I can control myself and not talk about that this evening. We'll wait to talk about that tomorrow morning, that I can talk about the right things at the right time. Uh, And and what we'll see this afternoon is that just the curse helps chitricate Even before he takes birth as a demon, just the fact that he's cursed, because the way he responds to the curse is with what? humility he responds to the curse with humility so immediately it starts it, it it helps him immediately he gets he gives up this this pride so her, her curse of him was her motive in cursing him is so that what was her motive? to correct him, to correct him so he wouldn't so he wouldn't do it again. And, although it's not mentioned right here, going back to the earlier purport, it's so she could help help the will of the Lord
1: to speed up his going
0: back to God. That as long as he was had this big position with everybody praising him, his progress was not as fast as it could be. Yes. Can you compare this story
1: with who Vijay to come as seven times devoted
0: and three times Um I don't know if there if there in that story exactly there is some defect mentioned in Jaya and Vijay. I mean they didn't they dealt rather harshly with the four Kumaras, and I think there is some mention there that they shouldn't have dealt that harshly with the four Kumars. But I don't know if there's anything about that Lord Vishnu specifically wanted to rectify them. But there is something there that their taking three births of demons would be faster. But that choice. Huh? It was yeah, they had a choice whether to go slow or fast. Okay? Was this a heavy section? No? When I when I was preparing for this class, I felt this section was was very intense as far as our own tendencies. So what we're going to look at this afternoon is how we should respond when we are corrected. Then you don't need to hear it. Nah. That's not true. You're always humble when you're corrected. That's what I said. But that's what we're going to be looking at this afternoon. I need to come to the class this afternoon, but obviously you don't, or Lord, the Lord wouldn't have ever, ever arranged for you not to be here and arranged for me to be here. So I need to be here. Yes. Why Krishna gave that authorization? Why did Krishna authorize to do that to kill those demons, demonicsamsa, or why not all in that? Why did Krishna authorize? Yeah. So
1: why not as ordinary
0: mother? Why aren't ordinary mothers authorized to kill their children if they're bad? (laughs) They don't want to. Well, there is some authorization given to parents to correct their children from God, but there's a limit. Just like there's even a limit with the government. So, the parents represent God for the children, the husband represents God to the wife, the government represents God to the people in general, the demigods represent God to the universe, and all those representatives of God have some duty and responsibility to correct and punish their dependents when necessary, but there's a limit for each of them. It's like the government You know, in America we have in the Constitution you cannot do cruel or unusual punishment. So although the government has a right given by God and a duty given by God, it's not that they can do anything. And the reason for that is if you say they because they're also not pure. And if you say they can do anything, they may may misuse it. So parents have a duty to punish their children, but within limits. It's not unlimited. And the government has a duty, but again within limits. There's the government is under the parents are under law, the government is under law. And even Parvati has a limit. She can't she's the shadow chaya of God. Even Parvati can't exceed her limit in punishing the living entities. So the only person who has no limit is Krishna. Because Krishna or Vishnu has he has never has an ill motive. He's never confused. He's never bewildered. He's always the friend of a living entity. So there's no way that Krishna, even with unlimited power to punish in any way, that he'll ever do something out of an ill motive that will be harmful to others. But everyone else has some limit. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble. You know, I have some authority as your teacher, but I'm still limited. I, I, if I say to you, you know, you have ten hours of homework to do, then the V.I.H.E. will throw me out. You understand? So I, you know, I, I can correct you, and I do correct you, but only within a certain. I have a certain boundary, also. Is that okay? Otherwise, I need to be corrected. Sheila, how about you, Terry?